Get about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. It's the home stretch in Major League Baseball as the calendar turns to September. We will be taking a look at key questions leading into this final month, uh, looking at, uh, again, uh, evaluating a trade by contenders. Uh, we'll take a look at uh, September call-ups, who will have the biggest impact on a playoff race. Uh, that and other questions uh, that we'll dive into here as we examine the Major League Baseball scene as we start getting into more uh, playoff atmosphere. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays face off against the New York Yankees, only now six back uh, when a month ago is 15 back uh, within it. And with that three-game series here, uh, they're expecting that type of playoff atmosphere. We have things heating up uh, with the New York Mets and Atlanta Braves. Uh, we have, uh, uh, going back to the uh, AL Central, there's uh, uh, Cleveland Guardians and Minnesota Twins, one game off. White Sox lurking two games back. Uh, maybe without Tony La Russa, they might get on a, on a hot streak here. We'll see what happens in that regard. But it is that fun time of year uh, in Major League Baseball as we do contender watch and uh, as playoff races uh, heat up, we're now getting into uh, the, the fun time of year. Uh, fun time of weather uh, as the weather cools down and playoff races heat up. We'll talk about all that and more uh, next. He's Corey Peeper. I'm Dan Lewig. Welcome to the Heater Podcast, which is brought to you by River Creek Popcorn. For all your snacking needs for baseball games and movies of choice, come hungry, leave happy. Uh, it is turning into the uh, fall festival season for, uh, for for popcorn as well. Yes, it is. It's People are coming out. The weather is great, but do not come this you can come the next couple days here, but do not come next week, uh, the week of September 8th through the 12th. I will be gone on vacation. So if you need your popcorn for the start of the NFL season, you're going to have to come this week and just put it yeah. in a container because I won't be there for the start of NFL season. I will be enjoying my time in South Dakota. So uh, load up uh, early and, and be ready for... Uh, for uh, the start of, of that as well, it's, it's always it's a, a baseball fun time podcast. Of year. But I know everybody still wants to talk about the NFL too. So you got uh, when uh, upstairs we have uh, some college football games Darn kicking right. off here, and that'll be this weekend, and then NFL the weekend after. Uh, we even had a big uh, NBA trade uh, with Donovan yeah. Mitchell going to the Cavs. Yeah, so uh, it's a little bit of every sport is having something going on right now. Fantasy football teams are getting locked in. Uh, and uh, like I said, it's gonna—it's a fun time of year for uh, for sports fans in all sorts of different ways, and especially for baseball. So we'll dive right into that uh, as we a division race that, if you would have looked back on June first, was it that one's done, right? Uh, I think it was up to—I'm trying to remember how high it got up to. If it got up to 18 games, or if it was just 15. But the New York Yankees were up 15 games uh, in the AL East. Uh, some called that division race over uh, by the uh, by the midway point. Not looking so over now. Uh, we've gone from a uh, August first of, of fifteen games back uh, to September first of six games back. Uh, so the question becomes, and I'd rather ask you than than me on this one: Can the Rays catch the Yankees? The Yankees have been the Ra both of them have been. The Yankees pitching is is suddenly very thin. Uh, we're going to talk about the move for that lost them Jordan Montgomery, but 
Then Nestor Cortez hit the injured list with his groin problems. Luis Severino hit the injured list with his lat problems, and their bullpen has just been decimated from Efros to Chapman to Britton. Clay Holmes was on the IL for a while after being kind of ineffective. So, yeah, can they catch him? Sure. Uh, am I betting on it? Well, they better go out and have a pretty good weekend here. I would still probably pick the Yankees at this point. The Yankees made their – today is September 1st as we're recording this. Now teams get two call-ups. The Yankees made – it was not Anthony Volpe, who's their super prospect. They went out and they brought up Oswaldo Peraza. I assume that he's just going to slide into shortstop instead of uh, Isaiah Kainafalefa, but they're kind of weird, so maybe not. Um, I, the Yankees, I still pick to win, especially because, as, as I mentioned, the You Yankees, have to lose a full week, and another team has to win a full week. To still Six games is, uh, is still a large uh, gap in, with only 30 to play. As I mentioned, the Yankees have injury problems. Well, the Rays have almost worse injury problems, I would say. At least more high-end talent. Uh, They lost Shane McClanahan this past weekend to shoulder impingement injury. It sounds like he's going to get some type of a shot into that arm, and assuming all goes well, maybe two weeks, hopefully. It it Uh, sounds uh, less... Uh, of a long-term risk uh, than uh, at least dodging that that bullet where expecting it to be a short uh, IL stint, but uh, that is still your ace going down when you're trying to make uh, 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 bridge a gap. And they still, Shane Ballas is still gone with his elbow issues. I Wander Franco still uh, having Franco, issues trying to get Brandon that. Brandon Lau hit the IL. So look, both teams have injuries. It's a long season. It's going to happen to everybody by this point. It's going to take an awful good effort. Now, could they do it? Sure. They've done it before. They have They've been getting amazed. The one that's impressed me the most this year is probably Harold Ramirez. I've been amazed by how good he's played for them. So uh, they've been getting good production out of players that they that we don't necessarily expect. I've decided that Isak Paredes is the most streaky player in baseball. That dude is ridiculously streaky. But He, uh, he should be a, a favorite of this podcast, not because he's a Ray, but because he fits the heater when uh, he mindset. Goes, when he goes off, he goes off. Not he quite he goes, Kyle Schwarber, no. but we'll call, I'll call him Kyle Schwarber light. Yeah, that's that's a good comparison, yeah, because he has months where he just absolutely hits home runs galore, and then he has months where I think it was, was it June where he was red hot, and then July I think he was under the Mendoza line, and again in August he's been pretty good again, and now we're in September here, so we'll see. I'm still with a month and a week left. Remember, the season goes a little longer this year because we started a little later, so the season ends on a Wednesday this year, which is really strange, but I'll still take the Yankees because, you know, six games is six games. Now, could they make it up? You mentioned they've made up nine already, so anything's possible, but... The the New, uh, the, uh, uh, New York Yankees are 21-31 and 31, uh, in their last 52 games. Uh, and uh, if you're hearing footsteps, it wasn't uh, the Rays or the Yankees. It was the cat trying to get into the liquor cabinet. I don't know. I don't know Important what to think about that. Away. Yeah, uh, but the uh, it's Yankees are sliding. Yankees are not. Uh, they had an unbelievable stretch the first two months of the year. They have not been the same team since. Uh, and so, who are they? Uh, that that becomes uh, a question. That's uh, are, are they anywhere near as good uh, as the the first uh, sixty games, or are they? What they've done in the last fifty games uh, with with them. it's they're also they're as streaky as Paredes is uh, as a team, and yes, there's some injury things within it, but everything broke their way uh, in the first two months. Things now are not. Uh, where's the the middle ground found uh, in this one? It's, it's an interesting one to see, and I think this is a statement week statement weekend for the the Yankees. Uh, if you want to say yeah, there's there's still a large gap between us. 
take even two or, or sweep the, this weekend, and then this this conversation, this question ends pretty quickly. Well, there's they have six games. I was just looking at the the Rays schedule here. They play the Yankees three games this weekend, and then they play them four or three games next weekend too. So the next couple weekends, it'll be those two. The Rays have a brutal end of their schedule here. It includes yes. Toronto, Houston, Toronto again, Cleveland, Houston. Those are all playoff teams. Like I have to look up the Yankee schedule, but that is now Boston's in there. Texas is in there, but those are not, I mean, those aren't even the pushover teams of the American league. Those are, there's no Kansas city in here. There's no angels in here. There's no Oakland anymore. So the Rays led major league baseball in August with the uh, best win loss record in the month of August during the easy part of their schedule they did what they're supposed to do and so that that was needed to pad some of those wins because uh september you're 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 gonna have to earn it i'm looking at the yankee schedule the yankees tampa bay obviously boston they get the brewers pittsburgh minnesota texas baltimore it's not you know it's not not an easy schedule it's not as it's not as bad as, as as tampa bay is but it's not easy either by any stretch of the imagination well let's talk about teams that uh uh might be looking for that pick-me-up, uh, and that's which September call-up uh, will f- have the biggest impact on the playoff race. Who would have thought we'd be talking about Baltimore and playoff races? We are not right? that far removed from Baltimore being the uh, Pirates laughing stock of the league, and that's not the case anymore. And I guess technically it doesn't count because he got called up a day earlier so that he could qualify on the uh, playoff roster should they make that, and that's Gunnar Henderson. Uh, Gunnar Henderson is pretty widely regarded as by Baseball America, Fangraphs, all those as a top five prospect if he's not. I think Baseball America has him as number one. Last night, he made the debut, batted it's played third base, batted sixth. He was okay. First he was game, okay. You know, home, home run. run right? yeah, yeah, it's all right. Lead off home runner. <laughs> I guess it was a second at bat. But this year between double A AA and triple A, remember, all these guys that are getting call up now. So a couple days before that, Corbin Carroll got the call. He's not in a playoff racer. I might have mentioned him. But all those guys missed that 2020 developmental year. So... They're making up ground in a hurry. Gunnar Henderson has played at both double and triple A this year. He's at least when he got called to triple A, he was the youngest player there. I don't know if that was the case when he got called up, but he'd already had uh, 24 doubles, seven triples, 19 home runs, and 22 steals this year, hitting 297. Yeah, I think he's just going to be. He can play short. That's his primary position. Jorge Mateo's been really good for them, so he's. Gunnar Henderson himself was being asked in the minors to learn other positions. At first, they have Mountcastle. I don't think he's going to take over that spot. But third had been Ramon Urias, who's played well. He DH'd for him last night. But I think Gunnar Henderson just slides in. Now that they don't have to worry, essentially you have to keep his at-bats under 130 so that he keeps rookie status next year. You need to keep the bats under 130. So I think he's probably going to play four out of every five games, something like that, just to make sure that he doesn't get to it. They'll probably uh, sit him against a tough pitcher. Yeah, something like that. You'll, they'll find a way. I saw Corbin Carroll, who started off two for five each of his first couple days with a double, including like a 440-footer, at, got the third day off against the lefty. Uh, Gunnar Henderson himself is a lefty, so they maybe sit him against some tough lefties. But I, I think you know if, if Baltimore is going to push to this final wild card spot, I think Gunnar Henderson is going to be a big part of it. I think it's exactly that. If they're if they're going to make the final push, uh, this is where you want that uh, talent over experience, right? Because you don't have experience doing the playoff race anyways. Uh, but the uh, talent uh, to win out, and that's a a huge boost to a team that is looking for every little uh, uh, bump it can it can get. Uh, and not to be understated, uh, DL Hall. 
uh, also mm-hmm. getting the call up for them uh, a power as a reliever uh, now as a reliever when we saw him earlier yeah. in the year he was a starter and they send him to the minors and now he is this now the problem I think we talked about DL Hall earlier was tons of strikeouts tons of walks uh, but he can even like his stuff can play up even in two innings which is already really good like do you remember it was we talk about it all the time I feel like but that Julio Urias where he stepped mm-hmm. up and they won the World Series with him relief pitchering well who knows right DL Hall comes in as a wipeout bullpen arm as a lefty yeah impressive stuff and there's again a lot of young kids that are doing well Spencer Watkins uh, yeah. I think he had a rough last start within it but overall he's been uh, pretty consistent over his last 10 starts okay, I want to ask you a question that I didn't we didn't pr- talk about this beforehand so obviously in the offseason they did the weird thing where they made it basically the best hit pitchers park in baseball right and suddenly all their pitchers are just light years better now, they have a 37-24 and 24 record at home, a 31-37 and 37 record on the road. How many more teams start adjusting their park to fit their talent? Do you know what I'm saying? Say you have a team like... Well, even, even adjusting uh, that you make home field an advantage. Yes. Like that's that's the point. And, yes. and to, be, uh, to be fair, it's not just the, uh, uh, the added financial wherewithal uh, the New York Yankees and Boston Red Sox, the, one of the reasons why they have been as good as they have uh, of recent, uh, you can go back to 98 with talent development with the Yankees as far as that original core and things within it, but they play to their ballpark. Mm-hmm. Uh, they know that they have uh, offense should be easier to come by uh, within it. If you don't think they know how to play pepper with the green monster uh, and, and finding players that know how to do that, like they, they align their talent to take advantage of their park. Uh, and then it becomes a head game. Uh, for the for the opposing team or the opposing pitcher within it, uh, there's absolutely a, a mental aspect of playing uh, in Yankee Stadium or at Fenway Park that goes beyond just the the raucous crowd, uh, and it's part of that the challenge of going against the strength of, of the park. So I don't know if there's been another team that has because you could look at Texas for example as the other one. Mm-hmm. Baltimore has adapted to their new surroundings faster than anyone that I can remember for a new stadium. Uh, coming out that also, or at least a new dimensions, uh, uh, that type of change. But think about a team like Miami, who we, we've we both said on this team that has great pitching, right? But their ballpark is designed for pitching. Well, maybe because they struggle to find hitting, but they say, okay, we're going to move the, the walls in a little bit, right? We think that our pitching is better than yours. I just think it's something to watch in the future where we see these teams, Baltimore struggle to get pitching. They, they looked at their team and they said, we have Cedric Mullins, we have Ryan Mountcastle, we have all this talent coming, and guess what? It's still coming. There's a lot more to come. Uh, Colton Kowser looks great at AAA, Jordan Westberg. And so they said, let's make the ballpark play harder. We think we can out hit you. And so it seems to be working. I think it's something to watch going it forward. It is a creative way that you can see teams that per, uh, that perennially have a problem on one side or the other. Is this one way to, uh, to partially address it? Uh, and, and I think it is. Uh, Baltimore definitely did. Uh, they saw the challenge and decided to do this. Uh, and... Uh, and now you see that uh, uh, taking place. So it's it's a fascinating development to see for who can actually, uh, again, you can have the park. Can you actually configure your team uh, to do it? That's, that's the other part of the challenge. I have another guy to throw in quick just as a call up here that could make an impact. The problem is his team is already 50 games above 500, so I'm not sure how much of an impact he can make. Now the Los Angeles Dodgers call it Miguel Vargas. Uh, Vargas is like, basically young version Justin Turner and someday will just fill in and play instead of Justin Turner. He's at AAA this year. He's hitting pop-ups. 
He's hitting 321. Oh, that was a double A, sorry. A triple A is only hitting 304 with a 14% walk rate to 13 <laughs> to 13% strikeout rate, 17 home runs, 100 runs scored, 16 steals, right? Like just an awesome player. He's he, they've started to get him to play more positions. I don't know where he plays in Los Angeles. Their team is ridiculous. If he played on any other team, I think he probably would have been up for a considerable part of this year already. Maybe not Houston. Other than that, uh, I think Miguel Vargas is going to be very good, but I'm not sure how much of a true impact he'll make in Los Angeles because it's really hard to play better than 50 games above 500 in 130 games. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, some fascinating uh, rookies, uh, some midseason call-ups, and then finally with, with September for the more big, uh, more top ten overall prospects up this year than in any year I can remember. Like so, it, it is a graduation so that's the CBA, year, right? That's the new CBA where you get because I was I think it was a podcast or a story I was reading where you get that draft pick compensation the following year, but they have to be up a full season. So a lot of these teams apparently are thinking if we keep them down until this time, and then we can keep them. I said under that hundred and thirty at bat threshold, get the cup of coffee in, and then which is what the September call up was designed to be. Yeah. And then next year, you put them in right away. You say, okay, we're making a push now. You win rookie of the year. We get a draft pick out of it. And a high one, right? A first-round compensation pick. So I think that's the goal. Now, Baltimore's also pushing for the playoffs. But, you know, I don't, I'd have to look and see what, what else calls up. But Gunnar Henderson has to be on the short list for rookie of the year favorites next year. I'm certainly – Corbin Carroll is the favorite in the National League for rookie yep. of the year favorite. Uh, have you happened to look at – you probably don't look at much Japanese baseball. Have you happened to look at what Muna – Taka Murakami is doing uh, only on my Tuesdays. I just, but I didn't Hold get on. to this time. You keep talking. I will hook up the stats. Here. <laughs> the uh, it is fascinating though. Like I said, it uh, the, the rule change has definitely helped uh, encourage earlier call ups. That's one, uh, and then we're just at a spot where the top ten players, most of them are in, in advanced levels in the minors, uh, whether double A, triple A, and then getting a chance to make that next level up. Uh, we're we're going through the next big. Uh, wave of, of of young players and potential stars, and it, it's nice to see. I mean, think of just this year alone the the, the talent that has caught up. Julio Rodriguez, Stark. all right, who's who's a, a stellar first year, and Bobby uh, Witt, uh, yes. low key Bobby Witt is yes. making a run for that Rookie of the Year award. Like without getting much hype, Bobby Witt is right there now. Julio is slowed down running because I think it's just a. I always thought 162 games is a grueling season. Yeah, and Bobby Witt's now at 26 deals, 19 home runs, hitting 250. Like, without much fanfare, Bobby Witt has closed that gap considerably. Okay, here's my guy. Ready? Ready for this? Let's do it. Murataki, Munataka Murakami. Okay, this is the next Otani. 22 years old at in the Japanese league. And this is not like some pop-up. Last year he hit 39 home runs. This year, 49 home runs, 120 RBIs, 12 steals, a 340 average, 477 on base percentage, and a 753 slug. That's impressive at 22 years old. When is he coming to? Uh, I, I don't uh, think he's eligible for next year. I think it's the following year that he's eligible. But that's, that's remember that name. Remember that name. You heard it here. Not probably, maybe first. Some of you probably first. Not everybody, but impressive player. Well, from impressive player to impressive play, uh, the last year it was neck and neck in the NL West. Uh, for two potential 100-win teams. Not this year. Uh, and not this year. Uh, but the NL East uh, is, is featuring uh, that the New York Mets have been as good as advertised. Uh, and then you have this team called the Atlanta Braves uh, that uh, we'll have another question on them in a little bit or highlighting within it. But uh, also 
entering a good level where both teams have the potential to reach the 100-win marker. Uh, does it happen? Okay, so we did some math before the podcast started. The New York Mets are at 84 wins. They are 84 and 48, which puts them, they need, excuse me, 16 wins in the next 30 games. I expect it to happen, right? They've got to the point now where they're basically peaking. Uh, they still got some injuries, but DeGrom is back and looks like Jacob DeGrom better than ever. I don't know how he does it. It's amazing. They did just lose Brett Beatty, who could have been on the list of like impact rookie call-ups. He tore a ligament in his thumb. And I know Carrasco, he's expected to be back this weekend the, for pitching. He's on, on the, the rehab trail now. And here's the thing. like Even though they've had this pitcher injury, David Peterson has been like awesome all season whenever they've needed him. And early in the year, remember, they had Tyler McGill, and we don't even – he's been out for all season, and it, they just never – it never matters. Edwin Diaz is like be, maybe the most important pitcher on their team, which is saying something with Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer. That's and, how good he's been. And a lesson there that the, the Mets did that versus others, knee-jerk in New York, and, and all, of, all of New York media owes Edwin Diaz an apology. They were ready to ride him out on the rails uh, within the last two years. That Jerry uh, Kelman trade starting to look like the Mets fleeced the Mariners after everyone just ripped on him and ripped on him. And Jared Kelnick struggled, struggle bus still. And Edwin Diaz is the best closer on planet earth right now. And yeah, Robinson Cano was not good. He was fine for like a year or two there, right? Like now gone, but the value of Edwin Diaz alone right now for Jared Kelnick. And I don't remember who else they got, but yeah, that, that trade probably was vastly overstated when it happened. The Mets are going to reach 100 games. That 16, one I'm confident 14 of. is all you need to do with that. Uh, they're well on, on uh, uh, unless they pull a Yankees, that should be just fine. I think I think they're going to get there. Now the Braves, it's a little tougher. The Braves are at 80 wins and 80 and 51, so that means they got to win 20 of their next 31 games. Now, they're playing good baseball. They actually have a better run differential. We're talking about they run do. differentials than the Mets have. Uh their big injury is Ozzy Albies is going out on a rehab assignment, so he should be back soon. And then it's a matter of what's going on with, with Ronald Acuna. Like, now they're winning regardless, but Ronald Acuna is missing about two out of every three days. And then I I heard this, I didn't see it, but I was I think it was MLB Network said in a post-game interview, they asked him, how's the knee? And he basically said, well, it's not good, and it's, I'm going to have to play through it the rest of this year, which... I don't want to hear that if I'm a, if I'm a Braves fan that you know you're fighting through this. Can we get this man at DH? I know that William Contreras has been great. Like low key, you have two of the best dozen catchers right now in the National League at least. So I get why you're DHing William Contreras, but I think you got to get Ronald Acuna off his feet. Yep. I know that means you're going to be forced to play Marcelo Zuna, which we don't want to play because of him just being a complete moron. I understand that he's an idiot again. So here's what I'll say about the Braves. They have called up two rookies who we heard were not ready for baseball yet for this level. Michael Harris has been awesome, and Vaughn Grissom has been awesome. So when Ozzy Albies gets back, I'm not really sure. Maybe I know that Ryan Snicker said that they have been experimenting with Vaughn Grissom in the outfield. You put Vaughn Grissom in the outfield, that gets Ronald Acuna off his feet. You DH him. Look at what Bryce Harper's doing. Bryce Harper's come back, and guess what? He's been Bryce Harper even better maybe, and that's because he's playing solo DH with his partially torn – is it UCL, I believe he has it, partially torn t- rotator cuff, whatever he's got. I think that's what you have to do with Ronald Acuna here. I wouldn't pick him to win 20 of 31, but I wouldn't be shocked if they did. They're just they're a very talented team. The pitching, after Max Reed's been great all year, 
after the slow start, Charlie Morton's starting to look pretty Charlie Morton-like. Spencer Strider is, here's a team that you could make the case as the three best rookies in the National League playing on their team. Yes. For a team that's coming off the World Series, right? Like, between Spencer Strider, Michael Harris, and the way Vaughn Grissom has played, you could sit there and say that's the best three rookies in the National League. Now, I know Vaughn Grissom's only been up for 100 at-bats, but he looks really good out there, so... It is truly an embarrassment of riches uh, from uh, position players. You know, we talked about some pitching too within it, but uh, they and you think of, and this will kind of lead into the uh, the next question. At their core uh, that they have is absolutely amazing, and they have been the most aggressive in locking it up. the The long term contracts that have come out just this year, let alone in the past couple of years, they already uh, with uh, with Acuna and with uh, Albies and. Uh, then it was Matt Olson after the Austin trade when they Riley didn't get that Austin one. Riley. Uh, and now Michael now, Harris got the big one. Yep, they already got him uh, signed, sealed, and delivered. Uh, you, you have, and I think it was Jeff Passan who was pointing out, like, everyone is under contract through, like, 26 or 27. And there's and there's the only one that we haven't mentioned that is up after this year, and there's talk that they're working on it, is Dansby Swanson, right? So he he just doesn't. He is the most, like, overlooked superstar in this game. I'm willing to say that. Like, I think he's ridiculously good, but he's on the same team that just had all those players we mentioned, right? And But, you know, Dansby Swanson, 17 home runs, 16 steals, hitting 287 this year. Like, You I'm, have potentially him, Carlos Correa, Trey Turner. I'd have to look it up right uh, now. And, uh, and there's one, uh, one more that I'm forgetting uh, for for shortstops that will be uh, this uh, free agent market, and maybe it's just Dancy Swanson within it. But you have uh, at least three or four uh, at that level. Uh, that's both a, a good thing and a bad thing. Tim uh, Anderson has got a he's got an option. Now I would, we would assume that the White Sox pick that up. But yeah, those those being the big three: Trey Turner, Dansby Swanson, and Carlos Correa, who we assume will opt out of his contract. And uh, that's going to be an interesting one uh, uh, to watch within it. Uh, I and think the Braves are going to find a way to pay him. At this point, they have shown that they are willing to pay these guys. They, they've already benefited from some below-average uh, uh, market deals. Where this is where now you, you pay up here. You have them. You should have the money to do that uh, because you are now banking on. And it's not. And sometimes these cores can uh, can shrivel up very fast. Uh, within and when you thought your big window closes uh, quicker than anticipated, but there's too many players here. There just is. Like you have you have a five year window, uh, and you should be at least making the playoffs for those five. So there's playoff revenue to be had there within. Like the, the contract will pay for itself uh, with what you've already started and keeping this going keeps advertising happy, keeps season tickets happy, keeps those uh, luxury boxes happy within it. Uh, this this is the time in which you do something like this. Uh, and get the last last piece of the the position player group, uh, and go from there. The original question was what what other team other than the Braves, right? The Braves have set the 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 model the the example of, of how to do this and do this well, uh, and, and they've been the, the talk of this season. But who else has a uh, uh, maybe maybe not quite reaching their level, but who else has that type of core, uh, the best core locked up? I like Baltimore's core, but I, you know, it isn't nearly as proven as what the Braves is. Toronto has obviously Bobichet and Vlad Jr. locked up. George Springer is under contract for a while. That's a pretty solid core. They are pacing towards the playoffs. We didn't mention them in the American League East. They're not. They're only eight games back, so it's not like they're completely out of it. Uh, 
how about Cleveland, though? Once a team that wins, we don't always talk about them. I just think they're the surprise team uh, in the American League. You have to at least give them that. This was a team remember, that they traded everyone uh, away. And we all said, what's going uh, on here? And, and you know, Ahmed Rosario looks like... Ahmed Rosario was a very highly regarded prospect. He is under team control for a couple of years, and he looks pretty good. He's only hitting eight home runs, but 283? Hey, you take that, right? Obviously, they, they locked up their superstar after we all thought he was going to get traded. Yep, he wanted to stay. Jose Ramirez is, is there and one of the top five uh, best players in Major League Baseball. Andres Jimenez, another part of the Francisco Lindor trade, under contract till 2027. Breakout year this year, 15 homers, 15 steals, hitting 302. Like They did not lose that trade. Uh, no, that was no. the... Uh, another trade where we just yeah. all automatically assumed the Mets stole someone and Cleveland has said, you know, you know, we knew what we were doing here. It might not have been the big names. And I've said before, they have one player in their... Okay, let's take it back. Two. I forgot about Austin Hedges at catcher. But other than that, it is Jose Ramirez. And then there is not a single player over the age of 27 in their starting lineup. Like, it's young. They have a very good farm system that we don't talk about a whole lot. That is also maybe not as good as Baltimore, but it's coming. And I trust them to develop players. Like, we've seen what they can do. Look at... Look at the way Tristan McKenzie's pitching now when he weighs all of 145 pounds, dripping wet. Like, he is so talented, and we've seen what, you know, Shane Bieber wasn't a ridiculously highly regarded prospect, but he's great. Plesak, all those pitchers have been developed from within. I know they technically traded for Cal Quantrill, but he was still very young. So, yeah, I, I like Cleveland, too. I think they have a very good core that's going to make them competitive in a very easy, I don't want to say easy, but... And Ale Central, that is winnable. winnable. That's a good word for it. Winnable. And there was a time not that long ago where they, they couldn't uh, field one legitimate major league starting outfielder. Now look at what they have. Uh, Miles Straw uh, has had a, a, a fantastic year. Uh, Oscar Gonzalez. Oscar Gonzalez. Oscar Gonzalez, yeah. out of nowhere, hitting 285. And he looks like, like the type of guy that when he gets off, you're like, dude, get off the bus first, right? Like that guy is jacked and it's impressive. Stephen Kwan never strikes out. That's the other one for the outfield. Yep. So I, I love what they're doing. I think they're a very good team too. And yeah, I would, I would uh, easily can make the case of having the second best core. Uh, when trying to look at, at a that. National League team, and I just don't, I don't know. Other than the Braves, if there's, there's not a ton that I. Uh, I mean, the the Cardinals have young players, but none that's uh, saying like, okay, I believe this is a big. Uh, Their question uh, is Nolan Arenado is a free agent after this year, right? He he can opt out. He can opt out. Okay. Uh, it's a it's a player uh, option on that one. And they just have so many. They're such a weird team. Like they are. Like they are. I don't know. I I said I just just you just should assume they win thir- ninety games. I don't know how they always do it. Like Corey Dickerson is basically the next coming of Barry Bonds for the last like two weeks. I don't know what <laughs> Lars Newbar is incredible for them. Tommy, Pujols wants the swan song. I know. I don't, he, I don't know. He's pushing in the, the final. Like his his month, uh, his stats were good in the last uh, month here. It's incredible. Uh, how good vintage uh, Pujols uh, on, on Pujols that trying side. trying to get to that 700 home runs. Do you see that A-Rod put out a video about trying to come back so he can stay ahead of him? <laughs> that would be amazing. Uh, but, yeah, Cardinals need only 14 wins uh, to reach the 90-win plateau. Uh, yeah. Let's take a look at uh, sticking in the, the NL uh, Central. Uh, for those that are especially uh, uh, fans of this pon- uh, podcast more locally, uh, it has been a yo-yo year for the Brewers. Uh, there's times when you feel like, hey, this team's looking good. Like, all right, we have uh, maybe something to build with here. Uh, and then you see two steps forward, two steps back. 
Uh, and the well, let's just start with the first obvious basic question: Can the Brewers clinch one of the wild card spots? Hold on, one second. Spencer Strider has 14 strikeouts in seven innings tonight. That's wow. why I talk about how amazing that dude is. Wow. Okay, so that was the question: How do the Brewers clinch a wild card spot? Is that the question? Mm-hmm. They win. That would help. Um, here's the problem the Brewers have had. As a Brewers fan, obviously, I watch them every night that I can. I'm, uh, you got you talked about how the Tampa Bay Rays played a easy enough August, and they beat the teams they were supposed to beat. Right? The Brewers in the month of I don't technically I guess it bled into September. No, it was in August, but they played Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, and Chicago fifteen games. They went three and twelve, and they had leads in fourteen of those games. Like, wow, that's your problem. Wow, Los Angeles I think has dropped eight games in like the last two months, and four of them are to the Brewers. So for whatever reason, they can beat the Dodgers, but you cannot drop games to. You know, I can look back at this. Since they got swept by Pittsburgh in early August, five to three, eight to seven, five to four. Those are games now one run games. You should be winning half of those, right? Cincinnati, 7-5, 4-2 in extra innings. Can't lose those games. The Cubs, 6-5, they drop one. 4-3, they drop one. Pittsburgh, 4-2. Those close games that go one way or the other, you've got to be able to beat those bad teams. You were just talking about it. Like As we sit here and talk, tonight they're going to start. It's a little before they start. They're going to start a four-game series against Arizona. I just said Arizona's got some you fun go players. You've got to win three of those games. And then it's Colorado against three games. You've got to go... It's a seven-game road trip. You sh- you need to five win and five and two on that and two. on that road trip. There's there's no way around it. And then it's a depleted San Francisco team in Cincinnati. Like this between now and the time I get back from vacation, you are playing one team. I think San Francisco is still above five hundred, and if it is, it's barely. Like they are they are on life support too a little bit here. So you should win seven of and four in those eleven games. You have got to beat those teams because then it's the Cardinals, the Yankees, the Mets again. Like it's gonna get tough. You got to be able to beat the teams that you should beat. Now, a lot of people will point to the trade of Josh Hader and say, "What happened?" Right? Okay. Josh Hader's been god awful in San Diego. Now, yes, he wasn't great the last couple of weeks with Milwaukee. I know a lot of people talk about the fact he had a child. It was a complicated birth. Congratulations, Josh Hader, that his child is fine. That's that's golden. And he's like, I wanted to sit here and say, like, all these guys are robots. Jared Kelnick should be good. Because I saw Jerry Kelnick should be good. He should be good. I've seen Josh Hader be good. He should be good. It's still like a man who one day is lives in Milwaukee, the next day lives in San Diego with a newborn child. Like, it's tough. I get it. Now, if you're a Padres fan, yeah, you have reasons to be upset too. Don't get me wrong. Like, you traded away your future for a team that you thought was going to have a chance to catch the Dodgers, and y'all are getting lapped. Now, it's not just Josh Hader. There's been other problems. Josh Bell has been terrible out there, which I didn't see coming. Juan uh, Soto's been fine, but nothing special. And, of course, Fernando Tatis is a moron. So uh, you got all those things going for you. The, the new New York Mets. That's, that's pretty <laughs> much what uh, what has happened over there. They are the new New York Mets. No matter what they do, that on paper looks good, and then something happens to, to get in the way of it. The, back to the Brewers here. So Christian Yelich is playing better. He's up to 260. They need him to keep hitting. That's a good starting point. There's still so many questions as to like what's going on with the offensive players. Like Willie Adamas is hitting for power, but the average is 230, right? Like, okay, I didn't I didn't expect him to hit 290 necessarily, but I thought we could bank on 250, and he's getting on base at less than a 300 clip, right? That's that's lower than we thought. And then you you just go, I can go across the lineup. Actually, I believe their best hitter by OPS plus is Keston here, 
who actually looks competent again. Uh, competent again? I'm not going to say good because he still strikes out too much, but when he makes contact, it's good contact. Renfro's been fine. Like, it's just a lot of where you feel like they're close, right? It feels like this is a team that should win, that should go on a eight and three road trip here, nine and two road trip, and maybe get it back into contention with technically they're two and a half back of San of San Diego and Philly, but both of them have the wild card. So you're th- or the tiebreaker, excuse me. So you're you need to make up three and a half games on them. And, and if not, you're out of it. And like you said, I think while there's more room within this first week, you got. If you go five and two, you're now set up to start uh, to keep the rhythm going uh, against the easier teams. These these next two weeks uh, will define their season uh, and what's left of it. Uh, and if you can't beat these teams here, uh, then it's going to uh, be uh, taking that uh, uh, that step back and uh, and uh, no October baseball. Uh, Let's ask the question since you mentioned it with with Hater. Uh, I think they are twelve and fourteen since the trade. Uh, the question is, which was the worst trade by a contender? Hater to the Padres or Jordan Montgomery to the Cardinals? Well, I okay. Let's start with the Montgomery trade. It just never made sense, right? They brought in Frankie Montas to fortify their rotation, and then they moved a starting pitcher, and you went back to, okay, you could say Frankie Montas is better than Jordan Montgomery, but it wasn't like suddenly a massive improvement because you created a, a hole, right? And then, you know, Nestor Cortez, who's pitched awesome, gets hurt. You're waiting for him to come back. Severino gets hurt. And how is Harrison Bader doing? Oh, that's right. He's still hurt. You traded for an injured outfielder yes. who's still hurt, who even if he's healthy is your... Outfield four, right? He's not starting in this outfield. He's behind uh, Judge and Hicks. And is it Stanton playing the other spot in the outfield? Or is it, who am I forgetting? Oh, Ben Attendee. They traded for Ben Attendee, right? So you already traded for one outfielder <laughs> as as is and a gold glover uh, yeah. uh, with, within it. The, the Jordan Montgomery trade, everyone said at the time that if there's what's the one weakness that could derail everything that the Yankees have done and, and everything to this point. It was if that, that that starting pitching had questionable depth and you had uh, durability issues in that rotation. You lose one guy or two, and you are going to be hurting. And that's exactly what's happened. Do you know how much this wouldn't be an issue? The Yankees would not be six games back. They'd be at least ten games. Uh, or I mean, six games up. They'd be ten games up if you still had Montgomery in the rotation. Jordan Montgomery. Uh, this was. I, I, this has to be. Uh, the worst move by a team that is trying to win uh, uh, a, a title. You don't give up talented left-handed pitchers, especially when they're on their team control for multiple years, and it's been a direct result of what uh, of what uh, has been going wrong uh, in New York. I mean, you can again say twelve and fourteen for the the, the Brewers. Uh, the challenge has been the one-run games, uh, and again, you can say yes. We can say well, he he's been terrible anyways for the Padres. I, I get it, but let's not play revisionist history in terms of the. At this point, you had a you had a very strong bullpen. You trade that away. Now you're having uh, one run game issues. Uh, like th- that, the the process uh, doesn't look good. The same way uh, when you're trying to make uh, Im- improve your starting rotation depth, and you improve one, but then trade away the other, and then now what? What's the reason why you're losing? You have uh, starting pitching uh, durability issues. Go ahead. Spencer Strider, I was just going to say Spencer Strider since, or excuse me, Jordan Montgomery. I'm getting distracted by Spencer Strider. <laughs> Jordan Montgomery since joining the 
Cardinals is 30 innings, 28 strikeouts to four walks. He's 4-0. and He has a 176 ERA. Now, he was not that pitcher in New York, so I don't want to make it that. But it, it never made – that's the reason – that trade is worse because it never made sense and it turned out that way. Now, when the Padres traded for Josh Hader, you said, okay, they either got the best closer in the game or at least a – you know, you can make the case top three closers, Josh Hader, Liam Hendricks, Edwin Diaz, right? Like, I don't care how you reorder them, but Josh Hader on paper is one of the best three closers in the game. Now, it hasn't worked for whatever reason, whether it's – I'm sure a lot of it is mental at this point, like where he just needs a reset. I don't think that Josh Hader is suddenly a vastly inferior pitcher he to what he was He didn't become average May. overnight. Yeah, he's not suddenly just – vastly inferior to where he was just months ago he's prone to the, the meltdown right also the blow up that's there it's or bad a stretch. timing right it's yep. bad timing it is the same thing you know i'm trying to think was it alex bregman came up a few years ago. when alex bregman came up he went over 39 right if you if it happens in any season most of the time you're going to say okay well that's a really bad stretch but i remember when it happened everybody's like oh this gets not ready this get and alex bregman went from that point on you know alex bregman is Borderline, you can say whatever you want about the trash bang. I don't really care. Borderline all-star, right? Like, yep. all-star player. And yep. so, Josh Hader, all-star player. Closers are fickle. Could he, from this point on, be one of the best five closers in the game? Absolutely, and I wouldn't be shocked. Now, Agreed. could he struggle still? Maybe. It, it's always hard to, to judge closers because it's so few innings, right? Like, that's, you know, you take off two runs in 13 innings or whatever he's pitched, and it probably looks a lot better. But... On paper, that one made sense, so I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to just you know nuke A.J. Preller for that one, although there's plenty of other issues I could be on A.J. Preller about, and we'll see how where he ends up after the season. Well, his team tends to, to nuke itself so it, uh, with all sorts of, uh, of issues, so we'll leave that for a, uh, for a different time. But the, the last question that is here, 16 strikeouts. Sorry, I just keep digging. Is he really? I, eight innings, 16 strikeouts. Now, granted, Rockies, but still. Oh, it's, it's still wow. uh, amazing. With that, might be the, the best start I've seen all year out of someone. <laughs> I, was, I, I watched the Kerry Wood uh, twenty strikeout game. I saw that. I saw he's that on TV. Spencer uh, Strider is essentially a wow. two pitch pitcher, and he is just amazing. I'm sorry. I just eight innings, two hits, sixteen strikeouts. Let him throw 106 and, pitches. And only at 106, though. That's Think of that. Like awesome. the uh, now uh, again, especially when when there's more at play. Uh, don't bring him back out for the ninth. No, you'll have Kenley Jansen pitch the ninth here, but but because eight innings, sixteen strikeouts, hell of a start. You know that's a, that might be the best get, that, that might be the best stat line I've seen. It, all year. It's the most dominant uh, oh, pitching yeah. performance of, of the year. Uh, the results definitely back that up. And, and when you're pitching at that level, it doesn't matter who you're pitching oh. against. Uh, that is a whole different level uh, of doing that. And that actually segues into the final question of a whole different level. Uh, Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, how good? is this Dodgers team. And, and I think we're at a, a point that we just take their level for granted uh, that it's important to put in, in context again, or also what the question is going to do is how do we compare that to their their recent seasons, their, their different versions in the last couple of years uh, of what they've done. They're 90 and 40 uh, so far. So again, they're only 10 games away uh, from the 100 win mark. Uh we talked about this before we uh, before we went on, on air. The 284 plus run differential. Uh, I asked the question because that seemed very large to me. Like I don't remember seeing something. Not that I was looking too closely, but that seems very high. 
And it's like, what is the the record within it? And so we dug back into uh, uh, back into the uh, two centuries ago and the 1890s to find that the top one is in the 450s uh, for a plus run differential. Like, okay, and we saw another one in 1899 uh, for another big one. But modern era baseball post World War II. Yeah. Since World War II, there is one team on this, I think it's the top 20 I have here from Stat Muse, and that is the 1998 Yankees. I believe that was, that team won the World Series. That's the Roger Clemens team, right? They, that, that was the that was Jeter's, uh rookie. Uh, rookie that was 97. I, guess I, I might be getting that wrong. Sorry. That might have, I thought that was, was the one where they year. played the Mets in the World Series and Clemens threw the bat and Piazza didn't like it, but I, I could be wrong on that. Team. I was only eight years old. So, uh, anyways, that team had a. 309 run differential. Now you mentioned that the Dodgers are currently at two, excuse me, two 84. 84. So you need to make up now. Would anybody be shocked if they went 20 runs over or whatever that would take 25 runs over? I certainly wouldn't. The Dodgers, here's what I would say. Not only at 90 wins and 40 losses, obviously they're incredible. They have 45 wins at home. They have 45 wins on the road. It doesn't matter where you play them. They're better than you. And that's with them, as we record this, they've dropped two games in a row, which is a kind of hard to believe here because it doesn't happen. Uh, tonight they got beat by the Mets, who actually I think the, yesterday was against the Mets too. So, you know, the Mets are a good team too. And it's, on all accounts, probably the best two teams in the National League. You can make the case for the Braves. But uh, those are really good teams. Now the Dodgers, historical greatness. And here's the thing about the Dodgers is – we talk about Freddie Freeman, and d- deservedly so. Awesome, great player. We talk about the fact that you know they have great depth throughout their team. They have all. We could make the case for their injuries, like their injuries mount up too this season, and it's hard to to catch up to them, especially the pitching injuries, right? Uh, Bueller, who we thought was the ace of this team, has been gone, and now is probably doing the Tyler Glass now thing, where he's going to miss the rest of next season. Maybe he gets back at the end. You know, Dustin May missed the first three quarters of the season. He's come back and looked pretty Dustin May-like with his – I forget who I watched him pitch against. Like 90 – I think he threw a pitch 101 miles an hour that I swear moved like 12 inches. It's unbelievable the amount of velocity and movement that guy can create. Now, Gonsolin is the big one here, right? Because, okay, we can say that they dropped Walker Bueller. Kershaw's coming back. Uh, you know, they've got – they've had other injuries here, but – Tony Gonsolin earlier this week hit the IL, strained forearm. They downplayed it, but then the reports, even just today, were, well, maybe it, it was a little more severe than we thought it was. You don't love to hear th- forearm when your pitcher, who's already set a career high in innings. Now, can they can they still win without Tony Gonsolin? Sure, right? Like, you still got, I said, Creighton Kershaw's coming back, right? That's If you want to replace a pitcher, that's a pretty good one to send back into the rotation. Dustin May's been good. Julio Urias looks great still. Andrew Heaney, they've unlocked something different. And Tyler Anderson is a borderline, like, awesome now too. So they still have a as good of a five-man rotation as there is in the National League, like top to bottom. They might not have the superstar power they, they, of the yeah, Mets. Saying, they don't have the, the name recognition uh, within it or, or the, all the all-star accolades that, that go with it or some of the rotations they've had in the past. Uh, but their position group more than makes up for it, and well, that pitching staff is underrated uh, compared to name. MLB, you put up three MVPs at the top of your lineup, and the one that has not gotten the credit for how amazing he's been again this year is Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts is very much uh, Boston MVP caliber Mookie Betts. I believe we're at, is he at 31 home runs that I see. Yeah, 32, excuse me, 32 home runs, which 
is you know, his second half of the season the has it is 30 home runs. Yep. He's, he's actually tied for his career high in home runs and no one's talking about that, right? Like 101 runs, 32 home runs, 70 RBIs, 12 steals, two eighty and one. Remember when it was like, well, he's kind of starting to slow down a little bit. No, Mookie Betts is still one of the best, you know, 10 players in this game, 15 players tops, whatever you want to say it. They have Trey Turner. They have Freddie Freeman. It is the most ridiculous. When they played the Brewers, I think the stat they said was there was only one game all season where neither Betts nor Turner had gotten a hit. I th- wow. I think that was – I might be slightly off. Maybe it was on base. But just the fact that you can put two of the best on-base players at the top of the game in front of Freddie Freeman. Bill Smith is – I think we both think is – if he's not the best catcher in the game, he's the best catcher in the National League. Uh, and then, you know – Muncy's been cold, but better in the second half. Justin Turner's great. You know, Low-key, Joey Gallo's been pretty okay for them. Like, maybe not what what he was hoping for, but now it's you know, not as bad as it was. I, and that's that's progress. I, I don't know. I just – it's extremely hard to believe that we're probably watching an historically great team and they just don't get appreciated for how good they are. The, the 98 Yankees, uh, uh, that was their 114-win season. Uh, that was their offensive juggernaut. That was uh, that reached close to the 1927 Murderers Row offense of, of the pinstripes, and uh, they played against the San Diego Padres uh, for for that uh, season there. Uh, but for the Dodgers to be again looking at a plus run differential, that's now looking at uh, the best comparison is to a team that won 114 games. Uh, that team is looked at as already an elite team. This team is now looked at the same way. Uh, and and they are producing at that level, which is what warrants it. Uh, let's look back in the last couple of years. We obviously we know how those seasons ended, but is this team better than their past two uh, uh, season iterations of, of uh, versions of themselves? Well, was the difference from last year is Max Scherzer, right? So we just said that you don't have they have great pitching. I don't want to sit here and criticize what they have, but. There is no Max Scherzer. Now, Julio Urias is is very good, very talented. Clayton Kershaw, the innings he puts out there, great. You're missing Max Scherzer. You're missing Trevor Bauer. I know we don't like to say Trevor Bauer's name, uh, but Trevor Bauer is a Cy Young award-winning pitcher, pitcher. Not the head case. Yeah, he's a Cy Young award-winning pitcher, and sure, Clayton Kershaw's won Cy Young awards. Julio Urias, I wouldn't be shocked if someday Dustin May has got a very good chance to win one too. Like, they have extremely high-end pitching, but when it comes down to you know, Dustin May or Jacob deGrom, I'll take Jacob DeGrom, right? Like Max Scherzer or Julio Urias. I love Julio Urias, but Max Scherzer's done it. And so you're missing that little piece. Now you have a full season of Trey Turner on this lineup, and that can't be understated for just how amazing he is. I said the fact that you could say that they have the two best leadoff hitters in the game on their team in Mookie Betts and Trey Turner, and they both bat at the top in front of the best, the best like contact hitting power hitter of this generation. Like the top three that they can put out is better than, I know people want to say that San Diego's got it. Like, if Machado, Tatis, and Soto ever get together, I don't think they're better they, than that. They they're still younger. have to prove it. Yeah, they're uh, younger, but is, the Dodgers is, Mookie it. Bet, is Juan Soto substantially better than Mookie Betts? He's better. He's younger, right? If it's and it depends which Mookie Betts we're talking. If we're getting a MVP Boston, like what he's showing uh, this year, no. Is, is Fernando Tatis considerably better than Trey Turner? He's, might have more power ceiling. Yeah, I agree with that. Sure, but that's it. But if you want and, somebody and to get on healthier. base, if you want, he's certainly and, and that on matters, healthy, right? Yeah, and Trey Turner is 
like I take his on base percentage, which on this team is all that matters. Because like I said, and Freddie Freeman is he is Manny Machado better than Freddie Freeman? Like I like Manny Machado, but I don't think he's better than Freddie Freeman. So you're just saying you know, it at best they're a slight downgrade. At worst, you say every one of them is arguably better than their counterparts. So San Diego thinks they're going to compete. Well, you better hope Trey Turner leaves. And I don't think it's going to happen. I think the Dodgers that thought Corey Seager can leave because we're going to lock up Trey Turner and we got more players coming. So I, I don't know if they're better than the last couple of years. I do think that this team has a, okay, what, what did you say the record was? They're 90 and 40, right? So they have right. 32 more games here, 22 and 10. You're looking at 112 wins. Are you yeah. saying it's like, it's certainly not, it's certainly within like, I'm not saying it's likely, but I'll give it like a 35% chance you get to 112 wins. Like uh, the, uh, the top two leaders in, in hits, Freddie Freeman and Trey Turner. <laughs> That's uh, a good way Freddie to win Freeman, a lot of games. 165 hits, uh, Trey Turner, 162 hits, uh, Mookie Betts, uh, not mentioned from those two is fourth in uh, home runs with 32. Uh, and this is at the historic levels at uh, as far as the, the best three that you could put forward. Uh, and, and, and with having that type of numbers, okay, one may have an off game, but the other two don't. Uh, and like you said, you can count, what, maybe twice that has happened all year think there where there hasn't was... been a hit uh, from at least one of them uh, within it to, to, get, to make everyone over. Uh, within it, that's that's what we're talking about. The grind on pitchers. They may not have uh, the same star power at the top, but even if you have star uh, power on the other side, this grind that they have to go through, uh, there's a reason why they're now plus 284. Those three are obviously huge reasons behind it, and you still have the best hitting catcher uh, in Major League Baseball arguably there within it, and the rest of their lineup is no slouch either. No, they were they wear pitchers out. Justin Turner's up to 270. I'd sort of kind of written him off earlier in the year. Gavin Lux is because he's on this team doesn't get talked about, but he has an 800 OPS this season. Like he is hitting 293 now. It's probably like not what you expected when we when he was the super prospect. I think we thought for a little more power was coming, but he's definitely not been bad anymore. Like, and it just doesn't get talked about now. Cody Bellinger, he's bad. I I think he's kind of done, but. Clay Thompson's brother Trace looks pretty good in their outfield. And did you happen to see? Remember, they called up James Altman earlier in the year. They sent him back down, and then earlier this week, he had a cycle. Two out of three days, he hit for the cycle. That is an impressive. That is impressive at AAA. So, like we've said it a million times, they're not done. They will be good this year. Historically good. I. I don't care what San Diego has next year. I don't care if Trey Turner's healthy. I will pick the Dodgers to win. I'm telling you that right now. I will pick the Dodgers to win because until they don't, you just keep picking the best team. What they don't have for star power in, in pitching, they have in hitting. Uh, and they have, I think this is a more complete team. Uh, they may not be quite as top heavy, but I believe this is a more complete team than they've had in, in previous years. And it shows uh, and how they're they're exceeding previous year levels despite not having that top heavy nature to them uh, from from the, the past couple of seasons. I do believe this is a better team. The only risk, like you said, is when it comes to a three game series or five game series uh, within it. When you're facing a Degrom and Scherzer within it, uh, yep. do you have the horses to back it up? And maybe not as much pitching that way, but you do in hitting to try to humanize a Scherzer and Degrom. Only other risk on this team is Craig Kimbrell hasn't 
been very good as the closer. Now, this has been the Achilles heel of this team for a while. They used they were more critical of Kenley Jansen than I think we ever were. They've been yep. critical of yep. him. But Craig Kimbrell has, what does he have, 21 saves this year. He's at a 4-14 ERA. That's not great, right? Like, that's not great. He's walking too many. He's back to walking guys four per nine innings. The strikeouts are way down at his career low at 11 per nine innings. That's a weakness. Now, the thing is, is setup man Evan Phillips looks like pre- peak Craig Kimbrell. Like, he has been everything they wanted and more. Now, he was a waiver claim off of your team, I think, right? Evan Phillips was a Ray? I can't quite remember with within that, but that wouldn't be surprising. And this is this is part of what makes the the Dodgers so good. It's not just the their their big contracts; it's the little guys they find along the way too. Their I, development is very very good. Yeah, he has a one twenty two ERA this year with a ten strikeouts per nine innings. And the thing here is the thing: fifty percent ground ball rate. You know how you don't give up home runs? You hit the ball, you pound it into the ground over and over again. So I don't know if he'll get any saves. They, they have a tendency to stick to their veterans, and I said, whatever reason people didn't like Kenley Jansen there, I thought he was great. They didn't like him. At some point, would it shock me if Craig Kimbrell is you know more of a middle guy and they say, Evan Phillips, go close some games for us in the playoffs? No. You know, if Tony Gonsolin comes back, we said maybe Dustin May is the guy who takes the Julio Urias role. Well, maybe it's Tony Gonsolin here. Like, one of, at some point, you're not going to go with a six-man rotation in the playoffs. Like, so they will find a way to get the best use out of their pitchers, and they have enough of them that they will find ways to win games. I mean, we're no matter what when, when who's the top teams within. I mean, we're ready for a Dodgers Braves playoff series, right? Like that has to happen. The uh, Dodgers Mets, Dodgers Braves. No matter how you do it, you can find you can find something uh, to talk about. And there. and one and usually it's one and and four, two and three, or how that w- works within it, but it. You're again, Dodgers, uh, Braves. I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for that full uh, series. There's so much back and forth in that. You have Jansen on, on one spot. You got uh, uh, Freeman in, in the other. There's so much uh, built up that that series is what we've been waiting for. And uh, again, just highlighting this again, Freddie Freeman turned down more money to go to the Dodgers. And it wasn't just the L.A. atmosphere to it. It was, I, I, my gut fully says it was done that way to then, like, to be the team to show Atlanta wrong and knocking them out of the playoffs uh, within a versus in-world series. That, that's what my gut says in the whole thing, and that there's the added uh, advantage of showing how much you got it wrong uh, with that. And think of that core with Atlanta, Atlanta, and that would be repeating history. This is a team that has had a solid core before with pitching mm-hmm. uh, with the, the the original big three, uh, and they dominated there, but they they Let's struggled in the postseason. Another team would knock them out. Uh, a little bit of history repeating with uh, Freddie Freeman being the one to uh, to do it, to throw the full uh, 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 monkey wrench into the whole thing of the of the, the core that was chosen. It's, it's, there's so many storylines that writes itself getting ahead of it for one more month but looking forward to uh, seeing what develops when we start looking at October. We're getting closer. Just hang in there. Watch some football and baseball so this week gets along, and then we'll uh, get back after I'm back from vacation. We'll talk about where everything stands then. 
with that, we wrap up uh, for tonight uh, and have a good va- vacation. And uh, hopefully the, the, the Brewers give us something to talk about uh, in a good way uh, in the next, uh, when you get back uh, from vacation. And again, we'll, we'll take a look at the playoff races and see what's, what's heating up by then. Have a good one, everyone. Thank you.